0: Over this past Shabbos, was having a question, a fundamental question. But it wasn't just like the intellectual question. the The question was like striking me powerfully in an emotional way, in a visceral way. The famous question: the Zohar says, the Tikkuni Zora says. Hashem is absolutely everywhere there is no space to avoid the so then the question arises well then where is there space for a world there should be no vacancy there should be no space available for anything but Hashem so how could there be both a world and Hashem obviously we say He is the place of the world and the world is not His place but still if it's only Hashem then where is a room for me for my fingers for my feet for this person for that tree I mean there shouldn't be any room then the second question is a related question and the answer to the second question becomes the answer to the first question And the second question is Is what I'm looking at, is what I'm going through, hearing, like, what is what I'm experiencing? Did it have to look just like this? Did it have to be just like this? Or were there other options? Could it have been that what we call the United States and in 2021 with all the people walking around here and, and the types of t-shirts they wear and the types of cars they drive and the names of the brands of the cars and every down to every detail. Did it, do we say in Torah that it absolutely had to have looked just like this and been configured just like this or were there other options? So we have an answer that's beforeish to that question. I believe. Because... The Gemara says about the messianic process, the process of Messiah, quoting a verse in Isaiah and Yeshayahu, ita Achishana. In its time, I will hasten it. Which means that there's an option. There's its time, and there's the hastening of the messianic process. If Israel is worthy, if Israel Works above and beyond expectations. So Mashiach will come, Messiah will come sooner. Achishena, I will hasten it. And we know from the sources that really everything's the messianic process. Messiah has been waiting to come since even before Hashem created the land. As it says on the second verse of the Torah, Baruch Elohim that the spirit of Hashem, of Elohim, was hovering over the waters. Midrash says this is the spirit of Mashiach so spirit of Mashiach desire for Mashiach force of Mashiach process and an impetus to bring Messiah was already a spirit hovering over the waters of creation before they were formed into land and so forth so and then Adam could have brought Messiah didn't Noah could have brought Messiah did not Moshe could have brought it. The people weren't worthy. And so on and so forth. The Jewish people at the temple, first and second, could have brought it. Weren't worthy. The Gemara says, anybody that the base of Migdash, the holy temple, was not built in their days, it's as if they destroyed it. Now, this isn't to speak a ganai, a negative on anyone, but the, the really just to bring out the point that process of Messiah is the process of all this creation. It is, it is the process of the universe. The Midrash as well says, that um, there were seven things created before the creation of the world. One of them is Shemosh Mashiach, the name of Messiah. So this is a... This is a universal process. It's the backbone process. It's the basic process. Everything is a process leading towards Messiah and then beyond. So, that's a fundamental process, Messiah. And the Gemara is saying, talking about that fundamental process, that most fundamental process of all processes, that every other process is, not even just in a sense, but actually is, the Pashas, in a simple way, every other process is coming under the banner of the process of Messiah. That is the ultimate process that governs all other processes. That ultimate process, the Gemara speaks about it and says, "Be Hishenah, and it's time, I will hasten it. Meaning, All processes, therefore, if all processes fall under the banner of Messiah and the process of Messiah is that there are options how it'll go, it could be sped up or it could be, or it could be in its time. We could hasten it or, or there's the option of the choose your own ending story that it will not come quickly, but it'll come at its appointed time at the end of 6,000 years or towards the end of 6,000 years. So we see that, therefore, all processes are full of options. And no, what I'm looking at right now, what I'm experiencing right now, it didn't have to be just like this now. However, certainly, certainly, the different options of what could have been experienced were created by Hashem. God forbid to say that, well, the configuration of humanity and history and geography and the particles and how everything is configured isn't completely determined by Hashem. Just because there are options doesn't mean Hashem doesn't determine it. Rather, it just means that philosophically, there are options. Of course, those options are created by Hashem. And it's the human beings with their free choice that are choosing those options and activating those different, configura- those different possible configurations, all playing towards the process of bringing Messiah. That's the amazing miracle, is that, yes, that there, despite that there are options, all the different alternative storylines still lead to one end result. As the verse in Koal says, All the verses flow to the sea, and the sea is not filled. All the rivers flow to the sea, the rivers are the different possible timelines of of how history would play out. They all lead to one ocean. They all lead to one conclusion. So that's important. It also raises another question though, which is, well, if it's true that there are options Then, how can Hashem be completely in, in control? And we believe Hashem is completely in control. The Ramchal Kadosh teaches us that that is a fundamental thing to understand. That a Kosh Baruch has Shlita, Hashem has complete dominance. The Ramchal explains in, in one of his Sephirim that the word dominance, Shlita, dominance, categorically implies sole ownership of dominance it is no longer dominance if the ruler shares rulership with another in any way and therefore only Hashem is the true Shalit he's only the one with true Shalita and all the other creations that seem to have control and power it's not Shalita it's not complete dominance 'Cause shlita means you don't share it. Shlita means if you have it, dominance means if you have it, only you have it. As long, once power is shared, it's no longer called dominance, it's called shared power. And obviously nothing in this creation has shlita except for Hashem because nothing has complete control. You have rulers, you have politicians, obviously they don't have complete control. Obviously they don't have complete control over the earth. No single person has complete control over the earth obviously, and even the rulers within their countries, no matter how strict they wish to be, they don't have complete control as history shows over and over. So only Hashem has Shlita. Only Hashem has his complete control. But we still ask, how could he have Shlita? How could he have complete control if it seems that there are people with their free will? And you do have rulers, and you do have each one having their their domain. How could you say then Hashem doesn't share dominance? And the answer is that nobody has dominance. Nobody has dominance. The choices that Hashem gives over, that people can make choices, so that is because he allows that there should be these different playouts of options. But that's important. Yes, there are human beings that have bechira, that have free will. And that Bechir mainly consists of, through our choices, we can activate the different options and scenarios that Akash Baruch Hu already created. That is true. But he has the Shlita because he is pulling all the strings. He's the one who coordinates how, despite my free will and his free will and her free will, and how that impacts the different scenarios playing out creation, but it's really a Kodesh who, who who gives over that choice, allows that choice, and is conducting all the ways that that choice is impacting the creation and bringing it to one plan that he's constantly supervising. And so really, he is dominating the whole process. And that's not really the focus of what I'm trying to say, but it's a, just important but really what I want to answer is the first question. Really what I want to answer is how can there be a space for a world how can there be vacancy for the expression of anything but Hashem and only Hashem if He is completely everywhere and where is there vacancy for the expression of anything else? And so answering the second question actually answers the first question as follows. That's the answer to the second question answers the first. What we say is, there isn't per se a world. There isn't per se me and my hands and my body. Rather, what's going on is the objects around me and the scenarios and the configurations around me are not that are not that. What they are are only a display of the options. They are only a display of the options of the possible ways by which the creator can appear to his creations based on their free choice. A tree is not just a tree. A tree being cut down or not being cut down and being used to build a beautiful Aruna Kodesh to hold or or to be used to create Torah scrolls, or Khasashalam, God forbid, being used to create some negative thing with wood, like a, you know, that's what a tree is. A tree is a display of the options and by which Hashem could or could not reveal to His creations based on their free choice. That's what the world is. The world is a living, breathing field of expressing how Hashem reveals to us in a relationship based on our choices. That's like a long sentence. That's a mouthful of words. So there, there is there is still only a Kaddish Baruch completely occupying this space. And there are not actually mailboxes and trees and roads and people and hands and fingers per se. That's not the end of the analysis. Yes, there are all those things, but what those things actually are are the displays of how HaKadosh Baruch Hu has chosen to reveal Himself based on how we choose. He has chosen to reveal in a relationship with our choice. So the world is a display of, of Hashem's free will that He has chosen to reveal in a dance with our choice. So He is still completely here. And He has chosen to reveal Precisely as a field of choices. That answers the question. That's why it's extremely critical to, uh, yes, agree that there are different timelines available. That's the fundamental way of getting around the back door to answering the first question. If you don't say that there are different options and different playouts in creation, then you can't explain how Baruch Hu, how, Akadosh, how the Creator could be absolutely present, yet there be a world. If you don't understand what the world is, that it is merely Hashem's choice to display Himself in different possibilities based on how we choose, and yes, there are options, and there are alternatives, if you don't agree to that, then you can't explain the first question, which is extremely important, which is, that how could Hashem be here, and yet there be vacancy for a world? You have to understand the answer to the second question to properly frame the first question, or at least answer the first question. That's that's very very amazing. Because if there weren't that options if there weren't options then we don't underst- then we're not properly looking at a tree. Then we're not properly looking at any object or any event. And then we don't understand. Well, if this is very philosophical. This is like very philosophical. Cuz if you say there are no options, if you say that everything's locked in. Everything's completely locked in. And, you know, this car had to be called a Ford. And this car had to be called a Toyota. And this color and this shape had to be here. And no other option. Yeah, I agree that the Creator created the options, but I'm going farther I'm saying there are no options. Well, then you're stuck with the quandary. Well, why? Why? Why, why is Hashem... Locking everything into only one possible way of expressing. So, so what's so fantastic about a Toyota? What's so fantastic about a Ford? What's so fantastic about that? You know, there's there's churches everywhere. Like, why does this have to be the expression? I think more is the the more the thing that Kandinsky was actually wanting us to see is is how he has chosen to temporarily how he has chosen to temporarily reveal to us in a way that's impacted by our choice. I think that's a much more meaningful and much and, and true. It is the truth. There's only one truth. Is this true or not? Is it true that there are options or not? The answer is yes. I believe very strongly, resoundingly yes. Based on all the proofs that we've gone through. And... That would that would make much more sense to me. Well, why are there these, you know, silly cars everywhere? And why are there these, you know, why are there, you know, some very, you know, interesting things? Why would Hashem say, oh, I must only express the NFL. I must only express the NBA. I must only express baseball in the World Series. Like, really? No. It, it's not the point, the, the reason for those things, which are kind of, Crass, you know, in an ultimate sense, in my opinion, that's just my opinion. But the reason for those things is because it's a deep expression of Hashem's choice to reveal Himself according to the to the free will of human beings, and that's all that the world is. The world is this field of express of Hashem choosing to express Himself based on how we choose. I mean.